this morning we'll be talking about someone who's actually never talked about in the Bible. We kind of take the innkeeper for granted, but in many ways there's an implied-ness to him, uh, there or her. There's no words. Uh, All we see in in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, is that there was no room for them at the inn. And so this morning we're going to be talking about uh, that, what Joseph and Mary uh, would have been going through in that moment, but also just, you know, what's the deeper meaning of all this? Jesus, as we open up your word now, I pray, uh, God, that you just open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive afresh from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I have one of those kids, and it's just one of them, but every other sentence is, Dad, why? Hey, it, it's snowing in the mountain. Well, why is it snowing in the mountain? Uh, oh, I, I, I can't eat those sugars anymore. Oh, why can't you eat that? You know, uh, why? You know, Dad, why this? And why that? And Dad, why are you driving so fast? <laughs> you know, Dad, you know, why did you just raise your voice? You know, Dad, why? I was just always, you know, he's always a why person, you know? I could say the most obvious, Captain Obvious statement, and he'll still say why. And so now, I've just kind of limited him. I've told him, I've said, you've got three whys you can ask me a day. <laughs> After you use those three, that's it. I don't answer any more whys, so use them carefully, you know? And so the other day, he was like, Dad? He goes, oh, no. No, I'm not going to waste it on that. <laughs> yeah. He's getting with the program. He says why to everything. And I think he gets it from me because, you know, when I was first a believer, when I was first a Christian, I wasn't always a Christian all my life. And I was a young adult when I became a Christian. And I celebrated my first Christmas Eve. And I remember reading this story. And reading this story was still a lot of, you know, logic flowing through my veins. I remember thinking to myself, now why not at least a room at the inn, you know? I mean, I understand, okay, you know, Jesus isn't going to be born with the silver spoon in his mouth. He's not going to be born with the lap of luxury. I get that, but I mean, come on, you know? Not even a room at an inn in a small podunk village in the middle of nowhere. I mean, couldn't an angel at least have gone ahead and reserved a room? You know, I mean, is that, that, you know... What's the whole point? I mean, it just seems like God is unnecessarily making Joseph and Mary go through too much, you know? It's going to be one of my questions. But as I was kind of chewing on that this week, you know, and I kind of watched this video a few times, tried to really put myself there. It's just been one of my questions. God, why was there no room at the end? Why? What is so central about that, that that needed to be included in the story of Jesus's first coming? And so, you know, God limits me to, you know, 300 whys a day. So thankfully, this was one of my whys, uh, you know, a few days ago. And uh, this is kind of what I I felt the Lord had come up with, kind of three answers. And I'm going to give you the easy answer first. This is the answer that, you know, I, I, I researched. You didn't really have to pray or listen too much. Uh, It's the theological answer. Let's go ahead and go to that slide real quick. Uh, This is the theological answer you get in seminary. By the way, this isn't a bad answer. Uh, This isn't an answer that I would say is is, is inadequate or or doesn't tell a part of the story. It's an important part of the answer. I don't think it stops here, but it's a good place to begin. It's definitely where we want to start. 
in this day and age, you know, people worshipped God by sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, and the animal of choice, the animal that was prescribed, was a lamb, right? Uh, they, they would go, they would have their lambs over there, you know, they'd carry their lambs up the up to Jerusalem on Passover, and then they'd present the lamb, and that would be worship for their family, and that slaughtered animal would be the forgiveness of sins for that family. That's 2,000 years ago. And so, really, the first answer is that it's kind of symbolic and fitting that Jesus, who would become the sacrificial lamb over all humanity, would be born amongst other sacrificial lambs in the, in the manger, in the stable. The manger was like an animal, like a barn, you know, an animal stable. And so there was probably you know, cows and lambs and goats and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, it could have even been a kind of a communal stable where multiple families or businesses held their animals. And so Jesus was kind of born as a sacrifice amongst sacrificial animals. John the Baptist said to his disciples as Jesus was walking forth, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your lambs take away the sin of you. This lamb takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has often been associated as the Lamb of God, the the sacrifice that God made for our brokenness and our sinful nature. Uh, But that's, that's, that's where I think where we begin, good place to begin. But then I went to the second answer, which is more of a personal answer. The answer that says, God cares enough about those who have nowhere to turn that he became one of them. God cares about the down and out, the broke and hopeless, the depressed and despair, the addict who's hit rock bottom, the homeless who have nowhere to go, the men who are lonely, the women who are lonely, those who struggle and those who feel like they are the forgotten part of the world, the forgotten people, the overlooked people, the people that are, we walk by and do not see. Joseph and Mary that night probably had nowhere else to turn. There was an inn, it was full, Maybe they'd find a rock. Maybe they'd find a bush. Who knows what would happen? And God was content to allow his son to identify with people who find themselves in the position of Joseph and Mary. They were poor. They were humble. Humble means. In many ways, they would have been outcasts in some way. And that this wasn't their home village, so they were strangers. And Jesus came to live and die as a poor, humble, stranger, outcast, someone whose parents had nowhere to turn. He came to live as one of us. And here's the thing. 95% of the world can identify with having moments in their life where they have nowhere to turn. 95% of the world can identify with moments in their life when they are poor. Many of you may not be poor now, but you probably started out that way at some point. Really only 
5%, or many people say 1% of the world constantly has a silver spoon. But for all of us, there are those moments of struggle. And Jesus' big statement is, I didn't avoid the struggle. I embraced it. I didn't get a free pass. I stood among you. I stood with you. I stood as one of you. We stand shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye. I know you suffered, and Jesus said, I suffered too, and I'd do it all over again to be with you as one of you. Though he was not one of us, his nature was completely different, filled with divinity, incapable of sinning, an amazing human being, and yet he came to identify with us. Broken, confused, all sorts of things. And so that's where I see in the personal answer. But then there's an even more complete answer, which is the interpretive answer from the scriptures. God often tries to explain his love for us by juxtaposing two ideas together. And one of the things we see in this story is that while the world had no room for Jesus when he came to our world, Jesus is actually going and preparing many rooms for us who will one day join him in his world. Let's go ahead and look at the next scripture real quick. John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many what? Rooms. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have I, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may also be where I am. I don't know why, but this, this hit me because so often I can have moments in my life or areas in my life where I've just got no room for God to break in in that moment. I'm busy, I'm working, I'm doing all these things, you know, and I, you know, you just, you kind of feel like that little God signal going off in your head or in your heart or in your conscience. And you're like, man, I don't got time for this. I don't got room for this. I got things, so many things to do. I got to get going. Da, 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 da. And, and we can just come up with so much of that. And you know what? So much of that is real. It's the human experience. We do go through that. And those things are important. Our work is important. Our time is important. Our relationships are important. But I often wonder, do we become a lot like the innkeeper? Where when God comes knocking on the door of our heart, we have a little bit of a no vacancy sign that flashes. And once again, there's no room for Jesus, so he's cast out amongst the animals and the mangers of our world. When Jesus came to us, we didn't have any room for him to have a proper birth. He was born some hay with other animals. Not ideal. And yet, when we go to him, he'll have a room for us. What he got when he came to us, we won't get when we go to him. In fact, the book of Revelation describes the city of God like this. It is 2,000 miles wide. Think the United States, east coast to west coast. 2,000 miles wide and 2,000 miles high. 
That's a big city, isn't it? That's a huge city. Jesus says, I'm preparing many, many rooms. That could be millions and billions of rooms. What is he saying? There's going to be room enough for everybody. Nobody can be excluded. Everybody has a place at my father's table. Everybody can have a room in my house. You just got to reach out and grab it. But sometimes our hands are so full of things from the world, whether it's busyness, whether it's our own depression or our own emotion, whatever, we're just gripping onto so many things that we've got to let go so that our hands are free to reach out and grab for the one thing that really matters. Making room for Christ, for Jesus, to come into our hearts. And I think maybe that is the answer that has sat with me this week. That, you know, while I have so many times, and I do, even as a pastor, I can get busy. I'm a dad, too. You know, coaching soccer this fall. I mean, we, 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 got, we, got, in, we got into it this year. <laughs> That's an understatement, right, Brian? <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm coming back as I'm facing a few days off. I'm coming back and realizing, you know what? I got I to gotta open up the inn again. I got I to gotta turn that no vacancy sign off. I got to open up the inn again and allow God to begin working on my heart in a fresh way. Because, man, if I don't, I just become nothing but a crowded hotel that nobody wants to be around. You all know what I mean? <laughs> but there could be one final thing, one more possibility as this next slide will show. Maybe it is a story of missed opportunity. I mean, we, we always try to find answers to things that maybe always doesn't have the most direct answer. Maybe the direct answer is this. Did the innkeeper ever find out who he or she turned away that day? Did they ever know? Did it ever occur to them? Ever dawned to them? Who knows? But as I began to think about that, I put myself in the innkeeper's shoes. How many times have opportunities opened themselves in my life and I just let them pass by? Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities to go help somebody that needed to be helped. Why? Because I was so busy. Missed opportunities to go encourage someone who needed to be encouraged. Why? Oh, because, you know, I just don't get involved and that's not my own thing. You know, a few months ago, you know, my mom's like, you know, you should really call your brother. I think he's going through a really hard time. And I'm like, eh. all right, I'll do it. I never did. I'll just be honest. I never did. You know, my brother and I don't talk like that. I don't even know if he'd ever received the phone call. I'm looking back at that, I'll realize, was that an innkeeper moment for me? Did I have a time to just call and say, hey, bro, my only one in the world. <laughs> uh, you know, I heard, I heard things are going down. I just want to let you know, man, I'm here for you. You can give me a call anytime you want. Uh, next time I'm back in town, you know, why don't, we, why don't you and I just go and shoot some pool or something. And that, the 30 seconds. So maybe the story of the innkeeper is about missed opportunities. How many times have we missed opportunities to share the love of God because we were afraid of what people might think of us? How many times have we had missed opportunities to be a blessing of God to someone but our schedules just didn't allow it? Me included. I am not indicting any one of you here. I am indicting myself the most. Missed opportunities. You know, I I came across a story from a pastor once 
And uh, it's not my story. I wish it was. I wish it happened to me. I would love to claim credit for it because it's a great story. But it isn't. It's someone else's, and I'll throw that out there right now. But one time, uh, there's a pastor who was ministering to a family. It was an alcoholic family. And uh, they had a little boy in there who was really starting to struggle in school and struggle in life because there was a lot of chaos in his home. And uh, so it finally reached the ears of the pastor of the church, and the pastor's kind of thinking, oh, what can I do to, to help this situation? So he says, you know what? We're having a Christmas pageant. Why don't I go and see if this boy, his name is Wally, would like to come out and be in the play, you know? So he goes out and he talks with the family, and Wally agrees to be a part of the play. And he says, you know, I'm going to give you the role of the innkeeper. So I got one line. And Wally's like, well, what's the one line? He says, we have no room for you in the inn. We have no room. Wally's like, I think I can handle that. And so the night of the play, uh, Joseph and Mary, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of trained actors. So they, they knock on the door. And uh, they you know, can we have a room? And, and he opens up, and he's very stern. He's following orders, wants to please his pastor. And he says, we have no room for you in the inn. And says it real sternly. And then shuts the door. And kind of opens and peeks. Now this Joseph and Mary, they go and they sit on the rock. And they begin to cry and weep. Now, of course, they're actors. They're doing it for the presentation. But in that moment, Wally couldn't separate the reality from it all. And he opened the door and he saw that. And it was so real and so powerful in the moment that he opens the door and goes off script. Directors hate it when you do this, by the way. He goes off script. And he walks out the door. He goes around. He puts his arm around Mary. And he looks at Joseph. And he says, you can have my room. You can have my room. Totally ruined the Christmas play. I mean, totally blasted the Bible out of, you know, I mean, it's not what happened, you know. I, but you know what? I think in that moment, that kid said more about Christmas than 50 sermons combined. When he said to Jesus, you can have my room. And that would be my encouragement for you this morning. Just tell God afresh, you know, God, you can have my heart. You can have my house. You can have my family. You can have my money. You can have my time. You can have my schedule. Jesus, you can have my life. And there's no time like this season to make that commitment. To not allow a missed opportunity to go by. Because you know what? They don't, go much, they don't come every day. Opportunities kind of come. The door kind of opens. We realize God's trying to connect with us. Then that door shuts and busyness takes over again. Right now, let it, let it be open for a moment. And I encourage you all to be like Wally. Jesus, you can have the room. You, you, you can have my room. You can, you can have my heart this morning. Because he is the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know what that means? Your sin is done. Not that, not that we shouldn't care about it, but it's forgiven. It, if, you, if it's separating you from God, that's your problem, not God's. 
He's died for it. It's forgiven. It's gone. Second thing, he came to live as one of us. That's how much he cares about us. When we go to heaven, we won't talk to some amorphous sky. You'll see a human being. He'll hug him. He'll walk with you. Jesus, he's God. And third thing, while our world may not have had room for him, he is making many rooms for us. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Before we close our service this morning, I just like to give a very simple invitation. I think it's an important one, though. Christianity is not something we're born into. It's not something that's just, you know, passed down like genes, like brown eyes or curly hair. It's something at some point where that opportunity opens. Our heart becomes soft in the moment. And we say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd like to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Yeah, I, I'd like to make Jesus my God. Yeah, I, I want to be a follower of Christ, be counted amongst the people of God. Two seconds after I die, I want Jesus to be my Lord and protector in the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, maybe our world had no room for him, but I want to take the room he has for me. In order to do that, we must come to him as he came to us. Humble, surrendered, poor in spirit, that we may be lifted up and exalted with him. So this morning before we close, is there anybody here, whether for the first time or maybe you just want to recommit your life to Christ? You want to make a first-time commitment to Jesus, cross over from death to life, and really become a follower with all the joy and all the trials that may come with it. Or recommit your life. You, know, you, you had that once and that uh, you, you ran out the door, that door's open again, you want to get back in and you just want to get on with what God has for you been dry lately it's time for the rain to come with your heads bowed and your eyes closed whether you're committing for the first time or recommitting just go ahead and look up at me right now amen 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 many of you why don't we go ahead and just pray this together say lord jesus please forgive me of my sins afresh fill me with your spirit I make you my Lord and Savior I commit to following you all my life thank you for the room you're preparing for me in Jesus name Amen